kettlebell drenga. The battle for the title of North American champion draws nearer, and the spoils are beginning to emerge through the mist. Our first sponsor of the 2023 WKSF Open North American Championship is Pro Kettlebell. There will be one pair of Atlas or Apollo kettlebells, as well as a pair of 1kg and 2kg level-up magnetic chip weights added to the hoard. Register today for your chance to stake your claim. Registration is available now for only $100 with raffle prizes for all competitors and the opportunity to win cash prize for the top performers. We'll be back at the Athlete Lab in Little Canada, Minnesota on Saturday, October 14th and accepting video submissions for online competitors. Go to TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com to register today. Come, answer the call of battle. Join us and fight for your clan. Fight for yourself. Claim your spoils and your glory. Sign up now and may your name forever ring out in the Hall of Champions. Sign up today at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. Welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I'm your host, Jordan Kundi-Wright, founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and our mission is to become our best selves through sport. Before we jump into the episode, I want to announce that the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club has been selected to host the World Kettlebell Sport Federation Open North American Championship for the next three years. It will also be an AKO qualifier event for Team USA, so you can come compete for the 2023 North American Championship and qualify to compete internationally, representing your country in the 2024 WKSF World Championship in Poland. We could not be more excited about this news. That does mean, for at least this year, that the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open will be subsumed by this event. But if you've already registered, fear not. You do not need to re-register or pay a higher fee. The event will still be happening as scheduled, and we will be having the same epic prizes and the great times that we've had in all previous years. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. And of course, the best way you could support me is to go sign up for the North American Championships and maybe tell a friend or two. Just go to our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com for details. If you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating review of the platform podcast in your app of choice and support my work by supporting our sponsors whose affiliate links you'll find in the episode notes. And to make sure you never miss uh, when a new episode drops, click that subscribe button or get notifications so that you're notified every time I release a new episode. And of course, last but not least, if you want help reaching your goals without wasting time, please fill out the coaching interest form linked in the show notes. I help athletes of all levels seeking to become their best selves using my integrated coaching approach. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club or email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Now, without further ado, let's step onto the platform to talk about the number one mistake that lifters make and how to fix it.
All right, welcome into this episode of the Platform Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Kundi Wright. I hope you all enjoyed the new intro with the new mission statement. Uh, as I alluded to on last episode, our new mission statement is to become the best version of ourselves through sport. I really like that mission statement. Uh, we got it. We got it honed in pretty quickly. I reached out to to Dave, who's one of the members of the team. He's a lawyer. He said, "Oh, it's really dangerous to to ask a lawyer to to chime in on wordsmithing." But uh, it didn't take us long. We we drilled it down to to that uh, to that. I, I felt like that was a really good mission statement. It feels right. It, it resonates with me, like in my bones, because it's not just about. Uh, being healthy or losing weight or being stronger or any of those things. It's about becoming a better version of yourself and using sport as a mechanism to do so. Um, and that that's all encompassing, right? Like how do we become the best versions of ourselves? So uh, if you haven't heard that episode, that's the previous episode, 10 benefits to living with purpose. Uh, go give that one a listen and, uh, you know, give us a like, a follow, and a subscribe. Um, I've started emphasizing that because I've had people, I've had people reach out and be like, "Oh, I didn't realize that you had that you had put out any new episodes," um, and it's because they didn't have notifications turned on. So wherever you you know you, you have to you have to be notified, and it, it depends on the platform that you're on, um, you know where you get your podcast. But but click on click on the, the notifications so that you're notified when I put out an episode. Because um, honestly, that's my fault. I don't consistently put out episodes on a regular cadence. Um, that's one of the downsides of this being uh, a passion project and not like my full-time gig uh, is I don't have a, I don't have a set schedule. I carve time out in my, in my week uh, along with all my other priorities. I try and carve time out. And uh, you know, as I mentioned previously, I had kind of deprioritized it for a while, but I'm back. I'm making it a priority again. Um, making sure we're getting episodes out there regularly and uh yeah it's it's been uh it's been a it's been a good time so far i hope you've been enjoying the episodes i hope you like the new mission statement um i i really i really do like it and uh for this episode i want to first um say thank you to our presenting sponsor of this episode this episode of the platform podcast is being presented by our friends at pro kettlebell uh, Pro Kettlebell is the only USA-made competition kettlebell on the market right now, at least as far as I'm aware. Unless somebody else has come out with an American-made manufactured kettlebell, um, they're the only ones out there. And also, they're the only ones that make a smaller-sized competition kettlebell, which I really love, um, especially for my athletes who are more petite-framed. It is great to have an option that has a little bit less mass to it that doesn't have quite as large dimensions. I love the cutaways on the bells. I love the chip weights that go inside of the bells. Um, Nikolai and Amber have designed, have have really thoughtfully designed a a kettlebell um, that works really well, really well for a broad range of people. It solves a lot of the problems that um, some of some of the larger bells have, um, especially for people with, with small frames. But um, it's just an excellent product made here in the United States. Their customer service is really really good. When you reach out to them, you know, in all likelihood, it's going to be Amber or Nikolai that respond to you right now. Um, you know, so hopefully they'll, hopefully <laughs> they'll have a customer service team in the not too distant future, but, uh, you know, they, they put a ton of pride 
into everything that they make. And I know there's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears that, that have gone into getting these bells to market. Um, and now the new magnetic chip weights that go up inside the bells um, are fantastic. And uh, we're going to talk about those on today's episode. Um, I'll get to that. I'll get to that later. So a little little teaser there. But um, I just want to thank Pro Kettlebell for their continued support of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, their continued support of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open, which is now the WKSF North American Championship. I had a chance to talk to Nikolai about that a bit, um, explain to him what the WKSF uh, role is and how it relates to the AKLU and how it relates to my club and the Open and uh, all of those things. So. Um, really it was it was great catching up with him so i wanted to make sure that i gave him a shout out and a thank you because he is once again uh, a sponsor for my event and they've put up some some prizes uh including a pair of bells um a, a couple of pairs of the chip weights um so thank you to pro kettlebell um uh, really honestly a great great product i can't i can't give them a high enough endorsement i love them they, they do a great job um use code uh, tckb for 10 percent off at checkout and uh let them know that i sent you because that's always good for them to know that they are getting traffic from people who listen to my podcast so what are we talking about today lifters number one mistake and how to fix it um, so I'm going to give another shout out to my man, Mike Milner, who's been on this podcast. Uh, he says it drives him crazy when people point out uh, a problem and don't tell people how to fix it. That's, that's a terrible thing to do as a coach, right? Um, so I'm not going to do that, Mike. I'm going to go out and say what the number one mistake that lifters make and how you can fix it. And I have a perspective on this, both as a coach myself, who's been a coach for many, many years now. Uh, I've been coaching, I have been a certified uh, kettlebell coach since 2009, um, which is a which is a long long ass time in the kettlebell sport game. Um, so I've I've been a kettlebell sport coach since 2009. I've coached a lot of athletes, but I've also interviewed a lot of athletes and a lot of coaches. And one of the questions I ask on this podcast for anybody that's a regular listener is, what is one tip or one piece of advice that you would give to a new lifter, um, or that you would give to yourself if you were starting over? And I didn't crunch the numbers on it. I didn't go back and listen to every single episode and, and, and get the data. But I can tell you um, that a theme that I know gets said a lot is uh, where this number one lifting mistake come from. And what is that number one mistake? Not being patient enough. Not being patient enough. Yes, that was a pause for dramatic effect. So... The number one problem is not being patient enough. How do we fix it? Well, be more patient. That's it. End of episode. Hope that was useful for you. <laughs> okay, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, obviously, I'm not just gonna not just gonna make a uh, make a seven minute episode and and uh, and then say just be more patient. Um, that's not super useful advice. Um, so, <laughs> we'll we'll start first with. Um, how does not being patient enough actually manifest in our, in our, uh, in our training? What, what do we mean as a coach when I say you're not being patient enough? Um, so there's a few ways that that shows up. Um, first, the number one mistake I see, and sorry, dudes, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw the, the male uh, side of the species under the bus here. Um, most men in particular start too heavy. 
you'll see that with women too. Don't get me wrong. It's not just men, but it's way more typically men than women because ego, right? Ugh, bra, I'm strong. I can lift. That's only a bench. I bench 350, bra. I can, I can lift a 24 kilo bell. That's only 50 pounds, right? And I'm guilty of that myself. I'll raise my hand <laughs> and say, when I started in this sport, as some of y'all have heard, um, I was a, I was a, you know, fresh out of college, uh, offensive lineman. You know, I had a, a pretty solid bench squat deadlift total and could power clean, you know, over 300 pounds. And, you know, I was, I was a big, strong dude. I was, I was, you know, 280 pounds of, of, of mostly lean mass, you know, at that, at that point, um, you know, the first time I picked up a pair of kettlebells and I thought that I could do two, two 24 kilo kettlebells for 10 minutes on long cycle. No problem. Yeah. I'm big and strong. Fuck you. Uh, yeah. So I definitely did this. I started way too heavy. Um, fortunately I started too, too heavy and tried to do a full competition set, um, because the person that I, the person that introduced me to kettlebell sport was, uh, you know, uh, a Marine and, 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 <laughs> laughed at my ego and uh, humbled me very, very quickly and let me be humbled uh, by, by challenging me uh, to do a 10 minute set with the 24s. Uh, and I got crushed. Obviously I didn't, didn't come anywhere close to finishing it. Uh, and, and, uh, was, was severely, severely, um, hurt by that in my ego, not, not physically. I did throw up, but, um, I, I wasn't actually physically hurt. Um, but a lot of men start too heavy. Um, some women start too heavy, but a lot of new lifters in general start too heavy, um, because they don't know where they should start, which, is fair. Like you don't know what you don't know. Um, ignorance is normal. Um, so as a guideline, um, I will say again, caveat that this is a general recommendation and you should get specific, uh, advice from a qualified professional for you. Um, but a good place to start for women. Generally, I say, start with an eight kilo bell. If you're deconditioned or haven't, haven't lifted a lot in your life, um, I would say start with an eight kilo bell that should be challenging for you. Um, and it should be safe for most people. So we want to err on the side of safety when we're just getting started. We can always go up more later. So I would say for most women start with an eight kilo bell. If you're a relatively fit woman, who's, um, like been doing CrossFit or like you, you come in knowing that you have some lifting experience or that you're, you're relatively strong, then maybe you could start with a 12 kilo. Right. But for most women, I would say start with an eight kilo bell and you can always progress to a 12 um, or a 10. But generally, I would say start with an eight. And for men, I would say start with a 12 or a 16. Right. And that's even for that's even for guys that are fit, like guys that lift and do CrossFit um, or, you know, powerlift or Olympic weightlifting. I don't start them on the 20s or the 24s. I start them on the on the 12s or the 16s typically. Right. So, um, and, and a lot of guys find that very, uh, I won't even say humbling and like they take offense to it. <laughs> like I called him a pussy or something like, <laughs> you know, like, Oh God, uh, I have to do the twelves. What do you think? I'm like, I'm, I'm just weak. You think I'm a weakling? No, I'm trying to keep you safe. And I'm trying to make sure that we start with the weight that's safe. So, uh, I would say for most men, um, start with either a 12 or a 16. If you're, if you're fit and, and strong already start with the 16. Um, if you're deconditioned, start with a 12 and, and honestly, there is no shame in starting with an eight too. If you're not sure, start with an eight. And you can always move up, right? But 
one of one of the examples of not being patient enough is you start too heavy from the start like you you start being you're impatient from the start because you started above your capability and then you have to either move back or um or you get hurt and you never pick the bells back up again which is obviously uh even a worse case scenario than that um another example of of not being patient enough is um <clears throat> that you move up in weight too quickly right um people will people will start even if they follow the advice of a coach or they they get advice they'll go on reddit <laughs> or they'll go on instagram and ask people well what weight should i start with and then you know or on facebook and on some of the forum forums and and of course you'll get the the dogmatic strength standards people will be like well men should only lift with 24s they shouldn't ever li they shouldn't lift anything less than a 24 well that that lacks context to be able to give you uh, a good piece of advice. So, um, I always answer, it depends. <laughs> and then I ask questions so that I can make a, a more specific recommendation. Um, but you know, um, a lot of guys will start on an, on a 24 and then they, then they can't handle the 24 and they move back. Or if they start on the appropriate weight, like they start on a 12, um, then they're like, oh, this is too easy. And they immediately move to a 16. Oh, this is still too easy. And then they move to a 24. Like you've now doubled <laughs> the load that you started with in the span of, you know, I've seen it done in the span of weeks sometimes where, where they'll, they'll start with a 12. That was, they felt that was too easy air quotes. Um, and then they'll, and then they'll move up, you know? Um, and again, this is, this is also, I'm, I'm, framing this in the context of kettlebell sport too. So, so remember, um, that when we're talking about kettlebell sport, um, you're going to be doing hundreds of reps, you know, and especially when you look at, you know, the course over the course of, of a week or the course of a month or the course of a mesocycle, which is multiple weeks, right? A 12 week mesocycle, you're going to do thousands of reps, right? So, um, moving up too quickly leads to the, the next way of being impatient, which is too much volume too quickly, right? So you're not being patient enough in progressing your volume. So again, volume is kind of a, is, is, uh, a product of reps times weight. So you can move up your volume too quickly without, e without making the mistake of moving up your weight too quickly. That is, that is a thing that can also happen where, where people will start with, uh, you know, I was doing, I was doing a hundred swings a day with the, with the 12 kilo. And then, and then the next week I went to 200 swings a day. And then the next week I went to 300 swings a day. And then by the end of the month, I was doing 400 swings a day. It's like, you're ramping up your volume super, super fast. And too much volume too quickly is a recipe for injury. First of all, it increases your injury risk. And it also, it also leads to your intensity, your overall intensity, your overall training stress going up too, too quickly, which means you're actually setting yourself up for a plateau. And I know that seems counterintuitive to some people, like they want the results as quickly as possible. So they think that by increasing the intensity and getting to where they think they should be, um, gets them there faster by increasing their volume quickly. So they'll, they'll take the first piece of advice, which is don't, uh, don't start too heavy. And so they'll pick a weight that's appropriate, but then they'll just fucking speedy Gonzalez, the volume 
and they they double triple quadruple their volume in very very short periods of time um, and that leads to all, all sorts of problems um, including injury risk but when you get to a point uh, where your volume is is high and your body has adapted to that volume say you don't get hurt and your body is adapted to that volume. So like the 10,000 swing challenge, for example, um, you know, people will do that and they will try and, you know, get that, get that done and they'll do it in the course of a month. And then it's like, okay, now you did 10,000 swings and you progressed. Cool. You saw some, you saw some work you, you saw some benefits to it. Now, what are you going to do next month? Are you going to do 10,000 swings again? Well, what if you plateaued? What if you're no longer seeing progress because your body has adapted to that load? Well, now you're going to do 20,000 swings, 15,000 swings. Like what, where do you go at a certain point? You you're, you're going up, you're going up too too quickly. And there's only one way to go then. And that's down, <laughs> right? So if you, if you speed up your volume too much, too quickly, um, you're, you're going to get to a plateau point or you're going to set yourself up for injury, right? But you're, you're basically, you're basically guaranteeing yourself, um, to hit, to stop seeing the adaptation that you're seeking sooner because you have, uh, you have gone past the, the minimum clinical effective dose. And now you have gone to a clinically effective dose that is, um, above minimal. And when you're above minimal on the effective dose, it loses its efficacy more quickly. And then the only thing you can do is increase dose or detox, <laughs> right? You can, you can, you can stop. Uh, and then, and then that, that lower dosage might be effective again, but you have to, you have to titrate off, right? So, um, too much volume is another way of not being patient. Um, another example of not being patient that isn't necessarily related to, uh, weight or volume is, um, not having good enough technique not having good technique and really just focusing on a, on a rep total and not focusing on uh, the quality of your movement. Now I understand some of the reasoning behind this or some, or, or how it happens. Um, in this sport, you get rank by achieving a certain number of reps with a certain weight of bells within a particular movement. There's nothing in the ranking table that says anything about the quality of that movement, right? So the quality of the movement is enforced by judging standards, hopefully, <laughs> in theory, it, it's enforced by judging standards, but, but that's only if you're competing, right? And uh, a lot of people don't ever compete, or if they do compete, they're doing video submissions and they don't get a ton of feedback. If you're not working with a coach, um, you're probably not getting great technique feedback. And even if you're, you know, consistently posting your stuff up on, you know, YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or Reddit and asking for technique feedback, um, I'm going to say that's kind of a cesspool you got to wade through to get technique feedback. <laughs> um, there are some qualified people on those forums that do chime in like myself and Joe Daniels and Mike Silverman and, you know, some other coaches are, are on those spaces and we try and give quality feedback to people as much as, you know, time allows, but also, uh, you know, we're full-time, we're full-time 
we have full-time jobs and families and, you know, and we have clients that pay us for that feedback and, uh, you know, et cetera. So as much as we want to contribute to, to the, the, the community, like you can't give everyone technique feedback for free. There's just too many people that, that need technique feedback or are asking for it. So people chime in that, uh, some of them have no qualifications. Some of them are just flat wrong. Um, you know, like, like the people telling Lorna Kleinman that she's doing snatch wrong. Okay. Jackass. <laughs> uh, the woman holds the world record in snatch for women. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Yeah. You, you tell her what she's doing wrong. Uh, CrossFit bro. Um, <laughs> that just got, that just got destroyed in the slingshot challenge. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's always, that's always a, uh, that's always a cesspool that you have to wade through, you know, to get quality technique feedback. So not focusing on, on quality technique because you're so focused on achieving rank or so focused on getting your numbers up to a, to a standard that you think is uh, appropriate for what, for where you want to go or moving you towards your goal. But if you're making, even if you're hitting the numbers, if you're hitting the numbers without good movement quality, uh, you're, you're cutting yourself off at the knees, so to speak. Uh, and that can be very, you know, very detrimental to your longevity in the sport, right? It's important to remember that this is an in perpetuity thing, right? The time horizon on achieving these goals, um, of course, you might have a time frame in which you want to achieve those goals, and for most people, they need they need to double it. <laughs> uh, a lot of people come into this thinking that they're going to go from newbie to master a sport in like a year or two, and uh, you know it, it takes longer than that typically. <laughs> um, you know, for most people, it's five five to ten years to get to master a sport, and for some people, it's longer than that. Some people never achieve it, obviously, but um, you need to you need to make sure that your movement quality is high and opening the aperture on the timeline, making it a longer horizon allows you time to learn the, the proper technique and continue refining your technique. So be more patient um, with your technique as well. Kettlebell Drenga, the gods have smiled upon us. We have been honored by the American Kettlebell Lifters Union to host the WKSF North American Championships for the next three years. Honorable warriors of the steel will travel from far and wide to battle for the title of champion. And you can earn your place to represent the USA team at the WKSF World Championships. Registration is available now for only $100 with raffle prizes available for all competitors and the opportunity to win cash prizes for the top performers. We'll be back at the Athlete Lab in Little Canada, Minnesota on Saturday, October 14th and accepting video submissions for online competitors. Go to TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com to register today. Come, answer the call of battle. Join us and fight for your clan. Fight for yourself. Claim your spoils and your glory. Sign up now and may your name forever ring out in the Hall of Champions. Sign up today at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com.
not having requisite joint integrity. So this, this correlates to um, why people get hurt from moving up in weight too quickly or moving up in volume too quickly. Um, so this is more of a symptom of not being patient uh, is that you don't have the requisite joint integrity necessary to support the volume that you're doing or to support the weight, right? Like you might even be strong enough um, to move the weight, right? But there is no non, there is no zero injury risk, no matter how much you prepare your tissues um, to express themselves at maximal capability, there is still injury risk. So I'll, I'll take an NFL player, for example, you know, NFL players like Tyreek Hill, um, Tyreek Hill is objectively one of the fastest human beings on the planet. If you're not familiar with who Tyreek Hill is, you can go Google him, but he plays for the Miami Dolphins. He's a wide receiver. He's very, very fast, and he changes directions incredibly well. He's he's just like a little ball of muscle, and he also has a history of soft tissue injuries. Well, why is that? Well, because to be someone who is one of the fastest human beings on the planet, um, you have to have incredibly uh, resilient tissues but his connective tissues in particular like ligaments and tendons what connect these muscles to his his bones are very very rigid and very very resilient so the weak point in his chain is the soft tissues because they he's able to exert so much force and because his his connective tissue is so strong those those points don't don't break but the soft tissues might right so that's why he pulls hamstrings or groins or you know those types of things you'll see this with olympic sprinters as well right but you'll also see the other side of that is the catastrophic injury where it's like oh i have the muscular integrity to be able to produce this high level of force at a you know so produce a lot of a lot of force in a very short period of time that's that's power output right uh, force generation in a short period of time is power output well if you're really really powerful and you express that power maximally but you don't have the necessary joint integrity guess what you do you detach a peck right you, you you rip a peck from from its attachment point you'll see guys will will uh, rupture a bicep or you know things like that so the they'll they'll detach their muscles from the joint that it's attached to that's where you get ligamentous tears and that's where you get ruptures of like achilles tendons right that you know um, an acl tear is an example of the the force being the force of a body moving in one direction and you trying to stop it and the connective tissue being the weak point in the chain not the soft tissue the connective tissue so the connective tissue snaps and those are catastrophic injuries and there's there's not a lot you can do about that once once it's happened um right then it's surgery and rehab typically if it's a catastrophic injury um so how do you how do you make sure that you build the requisite joint intensity is you don't move up too fast you don't move. You don't move up. You don't start too heavy. You don't move up the weight too quickly. You don't move up the volume too quickly, right? And and this is where, um, you know, like uh, uh, having chip weights, like from pro kettlebell, uh, is really is really is really important um, because one of the ways that you keep yourself safe is you don't go from a sixteen kilogram bell to a 
20 kilogram bell because that is a that is a four kilogram jump so from 16 kilos to 20 kilos is a four kilogram jump well four kilos is 25 percent of 16 kilos so you're now talking about 125 percent uh, the move from 16 kilos to to 20 kilos is 125 percent of the load that you're working with right it's a 25 percent increase well every every increment over 10 percent and this is generally what the research says um, every increment that you go over 10 percent starts having an, a a non-linear increase in injury risk right so if you double <laughs> if you if you go 100 percent increase right you you're now f- way up on the on the hockey stick of, of you know an exponential curve of injury risk right so even a 25 percent injury risk you know would represent more than a more than doubling uh, so a 25 percent increase in load represents more than doubling the likelihood of injury when you once you get past 10 percent right so that's where a, why a 16 kilo jump to a 20 kilo you know 16 to 20 kilo jump can be can be it's not always but can be an unsafe an unsafe jump for people um if it's done too quickly uh, it, it can be it can be dangerous, right? And that's where people get hurt is because they 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 move too quickly. Well, how can how can we uh, mitigate that risk? Don't go up that quickly. Well, for a long time, uh, <laughs> those were your only choices, like sixteen kilograms or twenty kilograms, right? Those were your choices. So at some point, you had to move up, you had to move up and wait, and that's going to be a twenty five percent increase. Well, now um, there are gap bells, right? So you can go from sixteen to eighteen to twenty, so two kilogram increments. Um, but if you don't want to invest in, you know, all of the all of the two kilo increment weights, like I did. <laughs> Um, back before magnetic plate weights were a thing, really, um, or before they were readily available on the market, um, I invested in having every matching pairs of every weight starting at eight kilos and working all the way up to 32. <laughs> so eight, 10, 12, 14, right on and on. Much to my wife's chagrin, um, and my children's inheritance is going to be um, more kettlebells than any one person can lift. But say la vie, they'll be strong if they lift them, <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully they don't they don't sell them. But, um, anyways, you use you can use gap weights to help with minimizing that that injury risk by making the percent of increase significantly lower, right? So you can you can start acclimating your tissues to a weight that is less than the next competition weight so instead of going from 16 to 20 you can go from 16 to 18 right which you know is going to represent a 12 and a half percent increase in load much much less of an injury risk increase than a four kilo jump so that's why i'm a really i'm a really big fan of incremental loading um, and especially if you do have all of the gap weights like I do where you can go you can go from an eight kilo put on a one kilo plate <laughs> go to nine kilos um, then go from nine kilos to ten kilos ten kilos to eleven kilos etc uh, etc et or if you just have the gap just have the you don't have the gap weights but you just have two ki- a two kilo plate you can go from eight to ten and then from 10 to 12, 12 to 14, right, 14 to 16, etc. That's also going to be a much safer progression curve than jumping up in four kilo increments.
but what do you do? What do you do if you if you don't have the gap? Uh, you don't have the plates. Well, you go to ProKettlebell.com and use the code TCKB and get 10% off and you get the two kilo plates. But, <laughs> um, sorry, shameless plug. Uh, but also, another thing that you can do um, is you work with a coach to manage to help you manage your load. Um, or you start introducing the heavier, what do I do as a coach? You start, you, you manage volume and you track how you're progressing and you make sure that you introduce, you, you can start introducing those heavier weights in smaller increments of time, right? So you can, you can do, if you're, if you're comfortable doing a five minute set with 16s, um, you can do some work on the 16s and you can do like two minutes of work on the 20s. Right. And for most people, because that's still significantly less volume than what they would typically do, um, they'll get introduced to that, to those 20, to those 20 kilo weights um, in, in a way that's manageable for them and safe. And it starts promoting joint integrity uh, development and strength development and all of the necessary pieces, um, which I didn't even talk about, like not having requisite mobility, which mobility also takes time to develop the, the ability to, to go through ranges of motion and express power at the end ranges, uh, express your strength at the end ranges is something that takes time and consistency to develop. Um, not having the requisite cardio um, is, is also another piece that, uh, you need in kettlebell sport and cardio training takes time and consistency as well. Um, but I digress. I won't, I won't drain that here because, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting up against, you know, 30 minutes and I'm trying to keep my episodes to 30 to 45 minutes now. So they're so a little more consumable, but so you start introducing those heavier loads in, in small doses, right? That's one way that you can, that you can stay safe. You can also, um, introduce heavier loads than what you plan on working with and doing, um, isometrics and slow movements. So, you know, in triphasic conditioning, there's eccentric and concentric and then, and then, uh, isometric, you know, um, are kind of the triphases of muscle activation. So you can work on heavier loads and slow down, um, and slow down the eccentric phase where you're like lowering the weight. You can also slow down the concentric phase where you're pushing the weight. You can do isometric holds where you're just bearing the weight and you're holding it as long as you can, right? There's a number of ways that you can um, introduce heavier load than what you're doing because when you're not going as fast as you can, you are not putting as much strain on the connective tissue, right? It's it, Think of it as like, if you slowly add tension to a string, right, you're much less likely to break the string or like a fishing line. If you slowly add tension to the line, you're much less likely for it to break than if you jerk it as quickly as you can. It's much more likely to break because that spikes, that spikes the, the tensile requirement of the, of the tissue or of the string, right, in this example, right? So that's where slow tempo training can also help improve joint integrity. Um, now, we don't want to get used to moving slow in kettlebell sport. We want to get used to moving fast, but with a load that is heavier than what our competition load is, it is okay for us to move a little bit more slowly if the intention is to develop the requisite joint integrity um, to be able to handle that heavier load, right? So 
that's that's another way that you can that you can do it. And then um, there's also uh, objective measures of performance that I think are important for for people to to be able to hit before you can safely look at progressing to the next weight. Um, and so this, this is honestly just a mathematical equation kind of kind of thing where you can look at, okay, what is the total volume of, uh, you know, we'll say 100 reps times a double 20s on long cycle. So say we're doing long cycle and you're doing double 20s for 100 reps. Well, that's 40 kilos times 100 reps. That's going to get you your total volume, right? That should be 4,000 uh, kilos in total volume, right? And so if you think you're ready to move up to the 24 kilos, let's see, what would 24 kilos be? We're going to say that's 48 kilos. We're going to take that 4,000 divided by 48 kilos is going to be 83 reps is kind of what you can expect. So you can adjust your pacing with the heavier, with the heavier weight um, to have that, have that target. And this is also how you kind of know when you're ready to move up in weights on, on competition sets. So if you've, uh, if you've got a target of, well, to get, to get to my next rank, I need to be able to hit a certain number. Well, you look at what that number is. It's like, okay, that's, uh, you know, I need to be able to hit 70 reps. Okay. In order to hit rank one, I need to be able to hit 70 reps with the 24 kilo bells. Okay. Well, if you can hit a hundred reps with the 24 kilo bells and you know that the equivalent volume is 83 reps on double 24s, um, then you know, you're probably okay. It's probably likely that you'll be able to hit close to 70 reps, if not over 70 reps, if you can hit 100 reps on the 20s, right? Because you, you know that the volume at least is there and you can work on building up the pacing necessary. Again, you're going to get nonlinear response in heart rate and energy system demands. So it's not a one-to-one -one like, oh, if you can do 100 reps on, uh, on the 20s, then you'll be able to do 83 reps on the 24s. <laughs> like, um, we've all made that mistake. Those are, <laughs> I shouldn't say we all have. I've made that mistake. I'll just speak for myself. I've seen that mistake made a lot <laughs> where people think, oh, well, if I can do 100 reps on the 20s, then I should be able to do 84 reps or 83 reps, the equivalent volume volume with the heavier weight up. Well, no, that's not how adaptation works. And there's nonlinear response to, to different training stimulus. But what I can say is that your injury risk um, will be significantly diminished if you have the requisite volume on the lower weight to be able to then move up to the higher weight. So what are some of those objective targets that we try and that we try and hit um, in, in kettlebell sport? Um, so I like to and this is just, these are just my standards. Everyone's are a little bit different for different coaches. Um, but I think in general, um, I would say on snatch, you need to be able to hit between 160 and 180 reps um, in a 10 minute set with one switch um, before I would feel comfortable moving you up to 
another weight to start pursuing the next the next training goal and you wouldn't be pursuing that same pacing we would diminish your pacing a little bit and build it back up um, and that's going to apply for all of these so so i would say like 160 to 180 reps is kind of the target um, maybe 200 depending on on what the goal is so again you need to couch this in what numbers do you need to hit to hit your next rank um, so that those numbers tend to go down as the weight goes up um, so you know your your pace per minute that you need to be able to sustain might change as you're into heavier weights but if you're on the lower weights you might need to be able to hit 200 um, so it, it ultimately depends a little bit but in general I would say 160 to 180 reps is where I start looking at okay maybe we can think about moving up to the next weight and that's on snatch with one hand switch important to important to caveat that because it's much easier to maintain higher pace if you're switching every minute right and that's why military snatch is its own its own thing um, so that's on snatch on jerk um, I like to say um, between 100 and 140 typically I actually air I actually air a little bit higher on jerk I say like 120 uh, 120 to 160 is typically the range I like to see before I feel safe moving somebody up to the next rate and that's partially just because uh, in in jerk there's nowhere to hide and it is the same movement over and over and over again you're going you're going overhead um, so um, I think I think the degradation actually it, I think there's I think the rate of degradation is probably most pronounced in jerk as you move up in weight um, so I would say you know that would be the one that I would actually air a little bit more on the higher side um, and then in long cycle again this depends on this depends on your target but I, I, I like to say um, I don't want you moving up to the next weight until you can hit between 70 70 to 80 plus um, with, with the lower, with the lower weight. Um, and that's just assuming that you need to hit in that, you know, cause most of the ranks are in that, in that, uh, in that 60 to 60 to 70 range throughout the tables. Um, but again, it's going to depend on you. It's going to depend on what weight class you're in, what, what age class you're in, et cetera. So these are general guidelines. Um, so, but I would say the overarching theme here is err on the side of caution remember that this is an in perpetuity pursuit like there is no time frame um, that you have to hit this goal in right the, the goal is to still be lifting uh you know to still be able to lift and to still be lifting and still be healthy and fit um you know as you age and the only way to do that is to stay lifting the only way to stay lifting is to manage your load appropriately and be smart about it if you think about if you had 10 years to achieve your goal how would that change your approach to training as opposed to if you gave yourself five years as opposed to if you gave yourself two as if as opposed to if you gave yourself one right like open the aperture up a little bit extend the timeline give yourself more time to progress safely so that you can move up appropriately that you can build good habits build good movement quality build good efficiency build good mobility build good cardio build good technique build good mental toughness all of the required pieces to be great at this sport right and this translates to other areas of life too right open the aperture up a bit give yourself more time to progress so that you can build a strong foundation upon which you can build uh, a tall pyramid the wider the base of the pyramid the taller the pyramid can be right so Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I hope you found that useful. Um, if you did, 
give me the like, give me the subscribe, hit the notification button, um, share with your friends. If you have questions, reach out to me. Um, uh, Twin Cities Kettlebell Club at gmail.com is my email. You can hit me up on uh, Instagram and Facebook. I am not on X, um, but I am on Threads, I think it's called. Yeah, Threads. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not on X. <laughs> what what use <laughs> the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm easy to get at. Uh, I'm also on Reddit sometimes. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got my, your ways to get at me. Please do so. Let me know your questions. And, uh, if you disagree with me, uh, come at me, bro. I'm, I'm fine. I can, I can defend my positions. I feel like they're, they're, uh, uh, well-reasoned <laughs> at least, at least by my standards. So, um, but if you disagree, I'm happy to hear from you. Give, give me a holler and uh, we can talk about it civilly until next time. I will see you. Thank you for tuning in and be well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Please be sure to leave a rating and review of the Platform Podcast in your app of choice. Support our work by supporting our affiliates. And of course, if you have questions or you want help reaching your goals, reach out to me. Till next time, thanks for listening.